I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 375 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have an incredible guest for you guys today. Ken Danico is a legendary NHL defenseman. He was drafted in the first round by the New Jersey Devils of the 1982 NHL Draft. He played his entire NHL career with the New Jersey Devils. He won three Stanley Cup champions. His number three was eventually retired by the Devils back in 2006. He is affectionately known by the Devils fans as Mr. Devil. And boy, did he beat the daylights out of so many opponents back in the day when fights were so much more frequent in the NHL. He was as tough as a defenseman as they come. And Danico is now a color commentator for the New Jersey Devils games. It's an honor for me to have him on the podcast today. Ken Danico will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Ken Danico was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you would like to watch the conversation between Mr. Devil and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, and keep it locked in here to First Class Fatherhood. Tomorrow, we're going to go from the ice rink to the gridiron. Super Bowl champion and recently retired tight end Benjamin Watson will be joining me here on the podcast. Benjamin is a father of seven. He's a huge advocate for fatherhood. Don't miss out on that. And we are going to close out the week strong with legendary weatherman Al Roker, who joins me here on Friday, which will be my last episode before I shut the podcast down for the summertime. I pray that all of you dads and your families out there remain healthy. I can't tell you how much I appreciate all your support. My listenership numbers have really been phenomenal during this entire lockdown. I've done my best here to bring you guys the very best guests possible. That includes today's guest, so let's jump into it right now. And as always, guys, please help me spread the word about this podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day. Right here with me, and I'm going to be right back with Mr. Devil, Ken Danico. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, are you prepared to unveil your summer bod? Manscaped is here to ensure that your post-quarantine body is ready to make its shirtless debut. Don't be that guy on the beach with a bushy Chewbacca chest that's out of control, and chances are that Austin Powers sweater vest look isn't going to be your ticket to Ladyland this summer. Trim that bare rug down to size with Manscaped's third-generation waterproof cordless body trimmer, the Lawnmower 3.0. It is the best trimmer on the market for those in need of a chest shave. Don't take a chance giving yourself an accidental nipple piercing using a traditional razor. This third-generation trimmer features skin-safe technology to reduce manscaping accidents. And right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners are getting 20% off plus free shipping with the code FATHER at manscaped.com. Did you hear that? That's 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com using the promo code FATHER. And you can start trimming that nest on your chest today. Joining me now, First Class Father, Ken Danico. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, and uh, good to be with you. All right, let's start it like this. How many kids do you have, and how old are they? (laughs) I have two kids, a 26-year-old daughter. Her name is Taylor, and I have a 21-year-old son. His name is Shane, and uh, they're still kids, even though (laughs) their age reflects adulthood but uh, that's what we love about them I mean, you always want them to be to be your little kids <laughs> what, what what type of uh, sports or activities were they into growing up well to 
To be honest, uh, my 21-year-old boy is complete opposite of me. He had his own passion and dreams as a as a little kid, and I love it. I was a sports junkie, as a lot of people know, not just hockey, you name it, whatever sport it was. I was a big baseball guy as well, and uh, everything revolved around sports. My son, his passion since three years old, all he has done and would uh, we'd hear consistently in the house was singing and dancing around and he's really uh from the artistic side i would say yes we put him in baseball pop warner football tried to skate a little hockey but uh, it wasn't it wasn't for him and it was fine with me i know a lot of parents push their kids into uh, into the sports world but uh, he broadened my horizons he just had his own passion and and he's continuing to, to grow with it. And he's at the at Berkeley College of Music in Boston for singing. So he's doing pretty darn well. Tough school to get in. We're very proud of him. And he's going into his his third his junior year, third year, I guess, uh, in college. And uh, I love it because, like I said, instead of going to a sporting event when he was younger, we used to go to a Broadway play. That was his passion. That was his love. And uh, he's a great kid. So I'm just... I'm just happy to guide him along, even though I can't teach him anything from the stinging, singing standpoint. <laughs> but like I said, he's broadened my horizons. He's a very cultural kid. And I don't know where he gets it. He didn't get it from his mother <laughs> either, I don't believe. But uh, I love him to death. He's a great kid. Yeah, good stuff, Ken. And if you could, just take a minute here just to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Well, I, I grew up in... Jeez, I grew up in Edmonton, Alberta, Western Canada, actually born in Windsor, Ontario. And for people that don't know uh, as much about hockey, I'm sure a lot of your listeners do, but it's a religion up where I, in Canada, where I grew up. And you <laughs> basically came out of your mother's womb and put a pair of skates on. If you didn't, you didn't have a whole lot to do with the outdoor rinks and ponds and how cold it is, What, how cold it was growing up. Uh, when I was a younger kid, but I, I was just uh, passionate about the game of hockey, passionate about sports right from a young age, told my mother it's since seven years old, 20 times a day, I'm going to play in the National Hockey League. So it was hockey, hockey, hockey. And like I said, I was a big baseball guy, left-handed pitcher. I know people don't think we play baseball in Canada because of the cold weather, but we do. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that, that as well amongst a few other sports, but, uh, I grew up with the, my dream of playing the National Hockey League, like a lot of young boys where I grew up uh, at a very young age. And, and my mother at the time, she's she's passed along, God rest her soul. But uh, I don't know if she really believed I was being realistic because, uh, to be honest, there was 10 Ken Danicos in every corner uh, throughout Canada. And, uh, but it was uh, something that I believed in. I believed in myself, wanted to make it. And, uh, to fast track and fortunately after a lot of hard work and and going through the ranks and junior hockey and or, or minor hockey and then junior hockey having to leave leave home at a young age of 15 years old which was pretty young not many people i know it was a little different dynamic back when i was growing up not in a million years over my dead body would i let uh, my kids leave at 15 <laughs> i left 500 miles away uh, to go play junior hockey right out of bantam to to pursue my dream. And uh, fortunately I put my eggs in one basket and it, it all worked out from that perspective. And, 
and moved along to junior ranks and then to junior hockey. And uh, my dream was fulfilled in 1982 when I was drafted that summer by the New Jersey Devils and played my first game in 1983 uh, in uh, the most famous sports arena in the world, Madison Square Garden, my first game. Our team wasn't very good, but I was trying to get my foot in the door and my mother who doesn't travel to many big cities, didn't like to travel all that much at all, came and said she didn't didn't care if I played another game in the National Hockey League. He told me uh, every day forever that he was going to play, and uh, uh, I can't believe he made it. <laughs> <laughs> and I went on to play a few more games and a few more years, a lot more than I thought, a lot more than she thought. I was very grateful and fortunate to play 20 years, one year professional hockey with the New Jersey Devils, which I'm very Proud of, still work with the organization, have been with them for 37 years. So it really is my family, my second family, call it what you want. But uh, 20 years as a player and another 17 in, in the organization. I do the broadcast color analyst now on MSG Networks for all the games. But I also do a lot for the organization as far as in the community and for uh, uh, the New Jersey area where I'm a transplant in New Jersey and pretty well. I made it my home right at a young age of 19. I love it here. And, uh, they've given it everything. They've given me everything uh, that uh, I could dream of as far as support. And I just love the Jersey area and the fans have been fantastic to me. So yeah, we do a lot of the community stuff along the way with the Devils organization, whether it's uh, try hot play hockey for free or, or inner cities, uh, continuing to grow the game more just the corporate speaking to some of our our great partners along the way so i'm kind of wearing a lot of hats and i love it that way and, and yes i get to talk about the game i love and i'm passionate about and talk about my team and root for my team um, but with a balance i hope <laughs> yeah well what an incredible career that you had ken and yeah i, I know that the devils do do a lot my kids played in the uh, indoor hockey league that the devils were sponsoring for quite a while there and i you know i think it's tremendous what what they provide for everybody and along this journey for you here during your career about about how old were you then when you first became a father and how and how did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life well that's i have to think a little bit uh, my you can round it off <laughs> <laughs> i i use the excuse i was i was hitting the head with bucks and sticks a little bit uh, <laughs> that's my excuse that my memory my, I always use my memory's good. It's just short, so no, <laughs> a little bit of an oxymoron. But now my my daughter Taylor, who is by the way, we talked a lot about my son, and, and he's my second child. My daughter is me. She was the sports junkie. She's the diehard, passionate Devils fan. My son, he comes to games every once in a while, just to socialize. He knew everybody at the arena. They love him. He knew every security guard. So during the game and, and, and every usher and all the wonderful people that have worked at uh, both arenas when we started the Meadowlands uh, in East Rutherford, now Prudential, he, he's the social butterfly. I love it. They love him because Shane's just, just real. He just likes to talk about life and see how everybody's doing. And my daughter, no, she'll be glued watching the game. She's a diehard Devils fan. Caught the end of my career, obviously, uh, uh, she was born in 94. I retired in 2003 and, and still, and she was the, 
the athletic one and, and had some ability and she played hockey a little bit growing up as well and, and was a real good skater actually and retired and I was kind of disappointed. She retired when I retired after 2003. So I just realized she basically played the game. She took figure skating when she was younger, got into hockey. I used to be able to go every Sunday, watch her play even during my busy schedule as a player. But um, when I retired, now I was going to get into it and try to guide her and help her because she was actually pretty good and a real good skater. And then when I hung the skates up in 2003, um, she comes to me and says, Dad, I think I think I'm going to retire. And I, I just, it was, it was so funny the way she said it. And it was, I knew <laughs> she, she just wanted to do other things. She had a passion for it, but she just felt that we wanted to, to move on and do other things. And I, now I was a little disappointed because I'm like, Taylor, you're so good. You seem to love it. She goes, I know, but I'm ready to move on. So whatever they want. And, and, and but till, till this day, uh, she lives in New York city and graduated college at a LIM, a um, fashion marketing Institute. And she probably 60, 70% of the games takes the train to Newark and, and comes to the games. And if I'm on the road, she's texting me during games while I'm calling the games when the team's struggling going, what's the bleeping going, what's bleeping going on here? <laughs> like, what are they doing? And I'm going, Taylor, I'm working now. Okay. We will discuss after. <laughs> she's, she's my daughter. So she was nine years old when I retired 94. So I think I had her at 31. <laughs> Let me, 30, yeah, 31. I think I'm accurate. <laughs> I had to I had to do the math in my head. <laughs> I strong since, so I was 31 when I had my first child. That was my daughter, Taylor. And uh, I mean, obviously, it's a miracle. I mean, that's one thing. As soon as your child is born, I mean, hockey was everything to me. Always is. I mean, I ate, slept, slept drank it. Your whole world is revolved around it. You're obviously have to be selfish somewhat because it's it's training it's eating it's you know when you're playing at the highest level i mean uh to compete and to continue to grow and get better and keep your job you have to you have to be selfish and it's a big sacrifice for your family at times i mean i guess i don't know if people realize at the time i know it's there's a lot of perks and financially and as far as um, accolades and things along the line and, and you're doing what you dreamed dreamed of as a little boy but you know there's a lot of sacrifices for family and when you have your first first child obviously it it, it puts things in perspective a little bit and what's important and to me I, I always say the most amazing thing to me I, I've ever seen I'm sure millions of people say it, is watching the birth of your first child watching the birth of a child I mean my eyes were like saucers, like deer in the headlights going, I, I can't believe that. Like, it's just, it's pretty wild. It's, it's <laughs> as you know, I guess it's hard to explain, but it was way more overwhelming than I thought. Like, I was just amazed. And, and obviously it changes things because now you have somebody in your life that um, is more important than maybe everything else that uh, you grew up or, or channeled your mind to. And for me, it was it was the game of hockey. Yeah, well said, Ken. What was it like for you then to, uh, you know, win the Stanley Cup and be able to share that moment uh, with your kids and, and, and to have that? I know I've seen some pictures you threw up there on Instagram of them with the cup as little kids. What was it like for you to achieve the highest goal 
uh, in the sport that you love and be able to share that with your kids? Well, as far as uh, professionally, my first dream was to get drafted and then play in, and a small percentage that get drafted and play in the National Hockey League. And then it was my next dream to play a game. And I, and I talked about that and did that in 1983. And then obviously fortunate enough to go on to have a pretty long career. But the second dream really is, as your little kid, is hoisting the Stanley Cup. Any kid that plays hockey. I used to carry a silver garbage can over my head playing street hockey, um, pretending it was the Stanley Cup. And did I ever think we'd achieve it? Well, I don't think many people, certainly in hockey or in the state of New Jersey, thought so, especially in the early 80s because we weren't good. We were pretty bad. <laughs> but I really wanted to be part of something. And they were the team that gave me my opportunity. I wanted to be part of the solution. I didn't want to go anywhere. So many Players along the way, well, maybe I should go out to a better team or get traded. I was one of those guys that I, I loved New Jersey. I loved the fans. I loved the state. We wanted to create something here, grow the game of hockey as well for the youth. And and I think being the first professional sports team or, or hockey team in New Jersey uh, certainly helped, helped do that and grow the game. And then finally, in 95, 12 years into my career, yeah, the team grew. We got a lot better. Lou Lamorello was a big part of that, our general Hall of Fame general manager who, who really um, orchestrated uh, uh, these our teams to become better and, and certainly learn how to win. And he put together a group of 95 that we finally were able to hoist the cup. My daughter at the time was only one years old, but we did all the fun things putting her in the cup. My son was not born yet, so he was born in 99, so he was one years old when we celebrated the second cup. Uh, and he was four in 2003. My daughter really appreciated 2003 because she was eight years old and really understood, and it was a storybook ending for me because it was my last game, a game seven, hoisting the cup, and I don't think any other any athlete would want to go out any other way. Uh, I don't think it happens all that often, and I felt very grateful, fortunate to go out, win a Stanley Cup, my last game, and, and do it with the team. Uh, that drafted me right from the start and stay in the organization. I'm grateful to the Devils. They've they've been with me through thick and thin, on and off the ice, through ups and downs, and I had plenty of them throughout my career. But the organization stuck by me, and, and it's been a two-way street. I was loyal to them. They were loyal to me. The fans of New Jersey were very blue-collar. I consider myself a blue-collar hard worker that had to earn everything he got. And the fans, I think, appreciated that. And I appreciated the fans for, for supporting me along the way. I wasn't a star. I was I was a guy in the trenches that was willing to do all the little things to help my team win. And, and yeah, that was losing a few teeth along the way. But my kids, like I said, they loved it. I mean, my daughter especially, you know, she really, really absorbed uh, the last cup of, of what her dad did throughout her career and, and just uh, soaked it all in. And, and in 2006... And I humbly say they retired my number. It just shows that you don't have to be a star or a Hall of Famer to have your number, you know, the ultimate honor and your number um, rising to the rafters. Loyalty and hard work, dedication means something and it can pay off. And and my kids, that was special, especially at Prudential Center when the numbers um, up there with all the greats and the Hall of Famers, the Broders and Nita Myers and Stevens and now Patrick Eliash, the other retired number who I hope gets in the Hall of Fame. He's eligible actually coming Wednesday, and we'll see if that happens. I think he deserves it. But but to be up with those guys is, is kind of like Sesame Street at times for me. 
that song, which one of these doesn't belong, I always feel from a talent's perspective, but uh, my longevity, my, my dedication to the organization, you know, paid dividends and it shows, you know, you can relay that to your kid. You can uh, pass that along to your kids that in any walk of life, whatever you do, you know, that old cliche term, hard work and believing in yourself and passion and dedication pays off. And that's, that's what I transcend to my son who's in singing. But saying, I know nothing about singing, acting. That's his world. And I go, but if you're not willing to work a little harder than, than the next guy, because the competition's tough. We all know that and in any walk of life. And, and so when my number was in the rafters of Prudential and they were older in the first year, 2007, you know, my son was eight at the time when he came to the game and like I said, he wasn't that into the game, but he pointed to the rafters and he saw the name Danico and he says, hey, that's my name up there. That was when it sunk in for me because, you know, you, you just, you don't even absorb it. It's surreal. And I'm like, you know, grateful and going, man, I had goosebumps. and could barely talk. And I usually am never at a loss for words when I had the speech to when your number's being retired. But to see your kids go, that's my name up there. And especially my son was overwhelmed. Like, not kind of understanding why his name is up there, but getting that it's something special. So <laughs> a long-winded answer, Alec, but um, kind of put to, puts everything in perspective. Yeah, it does. And it's an, it's an awesome testimony to hard work. I mean, you had the vision as a child and you were able to have this career that, that you always wanted to achieve the highest level, win the Stanley Cup, have your number retired. You're a legend in the New Jersey Devils organization. So uh, it, it's been an incredible journey to watch uh, you, uh, you know, progress over the years here. And then now, you know, playing as a, as a defenseman, obviously one of the toughest positions uh, to play, known for being tough guys, the defenders in the, in the NHL. Um, nothing's tougher than that. Now, what type of disciplinarian are you as a father, and is it different than the disciplinarian <laughs> style that you grew up with? All right, Dad. Today's episode is being brought to you in part by Bottle Breacher. Bottle Breacher was founded by former Navy SEAL and former guest on First Class Fatherhood, Eli Crane. Bottle Breacher provides handcrafted 50 caliber bottle openers made by active duty service members and veterans. The staff at Bottle Breacher used to use 50 caliber ammunition to defend our country downrange. Now they use them to provide the best man gifts, groomsmen gifts, and promotional products on the market. Open your next cold one in style, and First Class Fatherhood listeners can save 20% off their entire order by using the promo code FATHERHOOD. Visit BottleBreacher.com and use the promo code FATHERHOOD at the checkout to save 20% off your order. Believe me, once you see them, you're going to want to get one, and once you use it, you're never going to want to open another bottle without it. Go to BottleBreacher.com and use that promo code FATHERHOOD to save 20% off your order and open your next cold one in style. Um, nothing's tougher than that. Now, what type of disciplinarian are you as a father, and is it different than the disciplinarian <laughs> style that you grew up with? Well, I, I think my son has posted on Instagram uh, last year, I think it was, and it was overwhelming and heartfelt for me. And he said, he, I think he said something along the lines uh, when he was wishing me a happy birthday that uh, my dad was the toughest the biggest, toughest softy I've ever met. You know, he, he knew what I was on the ice. And, and I had, especially the way the game was played back then, and it's evolved a little bit, and not as much fighting and, and maybe not as nasty and physical as it was. And, yeah, I had to be a big part of that. That was part of my role as a 
as a player with the Devils protecting teammates and, and in the trenches, like I say. But, uh, but you know, look, I just try to – all I do as a parent is, uh, from my perspective, learn from my mistakes because I made plenty of them. And they know that. And I, I've shared everything with my kids. They know me to a T as far as I was never scared to – they've seen some of the problems. They've seen the, the, the rights, the wrongs. But we've talked about it as adults, and, and they're proud to, that I went through those those problems and then rectified it and trying to live the best life I can. But to them, I always preach, and I know kids are going to go through whatever they go through, and their ups downs, and you got to be there to support them, and they're going to do things that aren't right, <laughs> aren't right, as we say as parents, and and they'll go, but Dad, you did that, and I'll go, yeah, Taylor. I went through that and I went through some troubles. So you don't have to go through that. You know? <laughs> That's what you're trying to like. But yes, they have to walk their own path and, and you're there for them when they make their mistakes along the way. But to be honest with you, I'm probably not as tough a disciplinarian as, as at times parents maybe should be. I, I was a softie a little bit. My kids, I, I, as tough as I like to think I was on the ice, um, I certainly, as the kids were growing up, like a lot of parents, spoiled them as much as I could. And I, I don't mean just from a material standpoint. I mean from uh, I was a little easygoing, but my daughter always used to say, and I didn't mind that, you know, she'd say, Dad, we were always fearful of you. And I said, that's good, Taylor. I said, because you want to you want to instill respect, but a little bit of fear. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and it wasn't because I was a... I, I wasn't a meanie. I, I was pretty soft with them, but she knew. She just knew my presence, and and I said, "Oh, good." I didn't know that because I said I was always thought I was too soft. But like I said, I just tried to relate when you you know the mistakes I made, and that you don't have to, you know, maybe you can go through them, or but you can always come to me because I'm not going to be that parent that screams and yells and scolds you. I'm going to be that parent that nurtures you, tell you where you can improve. Because I've been through it all, I feel, and, and made those same mistakes um, along the way. But uh, I guess that's, in a nutshell, it's it's interesting because I've never really talked about it, Alec. And when you ask me that, you know, I, I have to think through it and, at times. But um, but I'm, I'm glad I, after my career, I'm, I'm there for them a lot more. Especially, we always think they need you as children. They need you more as adults, believe it or not. That's what I see anyway. They they need you in their as they start their lives and and into adulthood and be you know out in the working world. And my son's still still in college. That this is when they really need an uh, uh, ear to listen to them and understand them. And, and I try to do that for them uh, the best I can along the way. Yeah, I'm still preparing myself for that, Ken. I have four children myself. My oldest is 14, so uh, I'm getting ready to hit all them milestones with driving and dating and all the things that are to come <laughs> with that. So uh, I, I'm taking in as many lessons as I can from well, dads. Alex, no, no question. And the, the dating thing, oh, that was tough. But now she's 26, so I, I, I kind of I, I still treat her like she's 15 years old at <laughs> 26. <laughs> I'm sure it's got to help too. Like if she's bringing some guy home to go to the prom with, you have one of the videos on, are you knocking somebody out on the ice or something like that playing in the background? Like, you know, that's, that's got to help. Uh, Alec, we could talk all day and this all should have been on the show. I got to write a book. I was going to one day, but put it on hold. Well, that's one of the greatest stories. High school, 
So I didn't pick her up much. She was, I, we lived in Mendham at the time. My wife, my ex-wife usually picked her up, but, and I was always traveling or busy. So, you know, so with the team, I was finished playing, but traveling with the team. So only a handful of times. So I pick her up one time. She's 15 years old. She's sitting on a picnic bench, 15 kids around, handful of girls, eight guys. I pull up. Taylor goes, oh, my dad's here. I don't see, I just kind of see her from 15 feet away. They all scatter. All the guys scattered. All the girls come up to say hi to me. Her daughters, because I've known her friends, because I've known them since five. And I said, Taylor gets in the car, and I said, you know, you can introduce me to your guy friends, too. It's okay. You know, I won't bite. I won't. She goes, Dad, are you kidding me? They're scared shitless of you. They've watched your fights on YouTube. I swear <laughs> to God. Exactly. Use the word shitless. I, I looked at her. I said, good talk. Good talk, sweetie. I said, that's a good thing. <laughs> and she goes, I'd be never that threatening. They said, they're scared too. Because it happened a few occasions. I kept coming. The guys would scatter. They wouldn't even They wouldn't even come say hello. <laughs> uh, exactly alluding to what you said. So, and she, the exact words, she came to the car. They're scared shitless of you. I said, well, they can come shake my hand. I won't, you know, it, it's safe. <laughs> she goes, I know, Dad, but... It, and I said, but I kind of like that, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> you, are, you just want them to find the right person right along the way that supports and loves you. But uh, I always, and going back a little bit to saying I, I, I try to teach them and, 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 and don't make the same mistakes I did. I said, do as I say, not as I did. <laughs> like she, every once in a while as a teenager would throw in, but yeah, remember you, Dad. Remember this. I, I said, yeah, do as I say, not as I did. You, why? Why do you need to go through the same troubles I did? She laughs about it to this day. But I have a, you know, I feel grateful. I have a probably a strong relationship today with my kids. You know that that I'm able to be there now for them. You know, going through ups and downs of a career and being focused on what you have to do in your life. So now, as adults I'm, I'm great as an adult i'm and they're adults grateful that i'm able to really really be for there for them now along the way and and have those conversations uh, that maybe i didn't have enough of and, and regret at times when they were kids yeah very well said ken and i know that you're involved with the center for great expectations uh what is what is that charity all about who does it help and uh how long you've been involved with them <laughs> Oh, gosh, it's double-digit years. I, I've lent my name to a golf outing. You know, they just do wonderful work, and it was a local Jersey charity, uh, and, and now they're based in Somerset, and, and Peg Wright, who's the CEO and, and the head of the uh, of the foundation, has just done marvelous work along with her staff. But it, it's, it's, you know, I went through some addiction problems along the way, so it kind of touched my heart. It's young women who've gone through addiction problems, mental health problems, growing up maybe on the wrong side of the tracks or tough, uh, a tough environment when they were younger and end up on the streets and are pregnant. And they have nowhere to go. So the Center for Great Expectations, which started out, gosh, back in the early 2000s around uh, with, with six beds, now are up to 50, 60 beds where they treat young women, keep them in for a year, and teach them how to live uh, and, and be able to keep their babies first and foremost and, and deal with addiction and, and get better, get sober, as, as well as, like I said, how to become a mother. They just teach you so much. It's not just a re- – it's, it's, it's not 
just a rehab. It, it, it's so much more. And, and it really hit near and dear to my heart when they'd asked me, you know, we've had a golf tournament for a few years. This is, and now I, I don't know what year I'm going on. I got to be honest, 13, 14 years now. We have another one coming up. It's usually in July because of the pandemic. Now it's scheduled for September 24th. So anybody that wants to go to the golf outing, I always have some of my former teammates and everybody there, but, uh, it's an organization because it was in Jersey, because they were small, they needed the help. They said, do you want to put you, can you help us and put your name on, on our golf outing and, and maybe give it more, uh, more focus and more notoriety, just uh, uh, putting your name there. And I'm like, oh no, I said, I do a lot for charity and I try to, do I really want to do this and make a commitment? And in and, and reality, I, said, I always, but I said yes. And it was uh, the most fulfilling thing I've done because I do my little part, but I just see the work they have done with these young women. And then at the end of the golf tournament, um, you know, they always have a woman that's just ready to leave. And they, she brings her child in and, and she's grown so much and she's sober. And their success rate is better than most rehabs, I'll tell you that, as far as really teaching these young women how to live. And, and they went, grew up in some tough circumstances, whether it's addicted households or thrown out on the street or whatever it may be. And they pick them up, keep them for a year or whatever it takes uh, so that they can be productive uh, in society and, and more as importantly, productive mothers. Yeah, I'll definitely drop a link to the foundation uh, in the description of this podcast episode so my listeners can go over there, check it out, check out, see if they want to attend the golf outing as well. And, uh, or, I, I... believe it or not, Alex, and, and sorry to interrupt, you can just go to the website and donate a box of diapers. They, they don't expect much, just anything. And they're doing wonderful work. They've gotten state grants now because they, uh, for, it was such a charity that, that, that I knew the money was going to the right place. They were small. The people, their hearts are so huge. You know what I mean? Where compared to maybe all charities are great, but a bigger charity that maybe didn't need the help off the ground at the start. And that's, that's what I'm proud of and, and proud to be part of them. And then they got some state grants along the way because they saw the incredible work they're doing with these young women. So, and like I said, it was near and dear to my heart because of, uh, you know, I went through some alcohol problems myself and these young ladies have been through a lot of addiction problems. Yeah, I love that, Ken. I'm a recovering alcoholic myself and an addict, so um, I, I love what the what the foundation stands for and what it's doing. And, and turning the attention here now, too, you mentioned the pandemic pushing back the golf outing. Everything has been pushed back because of the <laughs> pandemic. Uh, what does it look like right now? What's the latest status for the NHL? When are they set to start? And are you going to still be uh, calling games or color commentating? Uh, what's going to be your role uh, moving forward here for the season? Well, for people that uh, follow the Devils, unfortunately – we missed out by one game of being part of the 2014 play-in and uh, playoffs, shall you say, where they've had to – I think the National Hockey League's done a great job along the way. Look, there's phases they continually to say and want to make sure they finish the Stanley Cup. Yeah, it's a complete finish and have a Stanley Cup champion for this season. They had to alter things, obviously, dramatically, and the season was halted in the mid of March, and so uh, – anywhere from 10 to 12 games weren't completed for the regular season. So they had to come up with some scenario, some uh, different dynamic to, to try to make it as fair as possible. And that was a 2014 system that you originally, you know, 16 teams make the playoffs and, and the devils, you know, we're, we're young. We're going through a process here of, of growing. So we weren't going to make the playoffs. I don't think 
initially, but we didn't realize uh, when they revamped everything a couple months later and said we're going to, you know, continue to, to watch the pandemic. And I hope everybody's safe and healthy, first and foremost. And as we continue to open up businesses, because I know a lot of people are suffering, but hockey along the devils if they would have won their last game against pittsburgh penguins some people don't realize they would have been in instead of montreal Canadiens, <laughs> and it would have been it's wide open because it's kind of like the start of the season i find that intriguing everybody's to say well it's not fair for the teams that were having such great years no nobody could have predicted this right and this is a crazy times so however they come back and and i know some say well scrap it and wait till next season uh, just start the season on time, but I think it's better. They're going to push back next season because we'll know more about the pandemic. And I think that's a good thing if the following season, which usually starts in October, is going to start in December or January or whatever it may be. I think that might be a good thing. And I just think the players and 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 um, the National Hockey League have done a good job in their plan on starting, I believe, uh, the end of July, August 1st, of uh, best of five play-in, four top teams of the uh, before the pandemic hit and where they were sitting in the standings, get a bye, but they're going to play each other to keep active and, and for a seating uh, or seating way. And, and what you read on Instagram or, or Twitter is pretty well the same as I get. Obviously I know some people in national cycling. I know they continue to push forward. There are setbacks as the players testing positive, but of course that's going to happen. I don't think they thought it was going to be smooth sailing along the way, but they're taking every precaution following uh, the medical guidelines along the way, and we're hoping, and I believe it's going to happen, that they're going to start in two hub cities. That's it. Make a bubble. Um, no fans, but people will be able to see uh, the playoffs of the stand and, and somebody win the Stanley Cup uh, on TV uh, sooner than later here. Yeah, I, th- I think it's uh, great news. I think uh, God only knows we need some sports or something to get on there mm-hmm. for people. Uh, they're, they're, they're thirsty for it, uh, for sure. So it'll be exciting to see some sports going on. Um, and I don't know if I prefaced that perfectly. I was trying to give it to you in a synopsis, having said that everybody can read online just like I can along the way. But but I, I just commend the National Hockey League and Players Association along the way here, uh, really trying to, to get some normalcy back to our lives. Yes, I know. We all know what uh, is coming ahead, and it's not going to go away anytime soon. But but along the way, with, with precautionary measures, and we need, you know, sports is a good outlet for all of us, right? And we've all been going through a lot during these times. And like I said, I just hope everybody's safe, healthy. And as the state of New Jersey, we see some of the businesses finally opening up. I'm grateful for that because I know a lot of my friends, and I'm sure you as well, Alex, have really suffered along the way here. But uh, they're doing the best they can. Yeah, I'll make sure that Twitter headline reads, Ken Tanico says the puck drops August 1st. <laughs> I, that's what I get from <laughs> Twitter and everybody else. And yes, I know some people in the National Hockey League. But I guess that is the target date. As well. <laughs> okay. well, you know what? Uh, last thing I want to hit you with here, Ken, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Well, I think certainly I'm a lot smarter now at 56 than I was at 32 when I had my first child, my daughter, Taylor. I will tell you that. Um, what advice? I, I, I mean, you know, I am I have no magic formula or potion. I, I just am grateful my kids have grown up pretty good now. And they went through some ups and downs along the, along the way with their dad, for sure. I mean, good, bad, and indifferent. But, but just... 
you know, be honest with them. They, they're they're like sponges. Uh, they know a lot more than you think at a young age. So I think it's pretty good to be open with them right out of the gate and and tell them the, the do's and don'ts as far as, you know, what's important, what can get you in trouble and things along the way. And listen to them. Man, that, that's the key is listen to them. You know, a lot of times we get caught up in our lives and we're so busy and I was no different and more so than anybody I would say as far as an athlete and they'll come to you and get you at times yeah yeah you yeah yeah at them and just hang on and and now especially I told you as they became adults I'm like anytime they call that those are the only two calls I absolutely pick up right away as my children every single time doesn't matter where I am even during a game at times or text them right back it, it is so that I can lend an ear and I think it starts right at a young age that you want to listen to their uh, what's going on in their life, what is bothering them, how you can help them through those times along the way, I guess, and and just uh, really support them and, and believe in them when they're telling you they can do something. Because my mother believed in me when I was a young kid, even though I, I think she terrified me at times and didn't think I was being realistic, said, yeah, yeah, Kenny, you're going to play in the National Hockey League. I get it with an eye roll, but <laughs> thinking I wasn't um, really, maybe I was shooting a little bit too high, but uh, no, you got to believe believe in your kids, guide them. And, and I always say lastly, and I know I've blabbered on here, but uh, don't push too hard, especially in the sports. My dad never did any of that for me. He supported me, took me everywhere to my events. I, I, today, sometimes I see parents just jam it down their kid's throat because that's what they want them to do or be. And I'm grateful I was so opposite. My son, um, his mom at times would say, teach him, get him on the ice more because you're a pro athlete. And I knew he didn't have the passion. And that's what my, he didn't like it that much. That was not his thing. And now she thanks me. <laughs> she says, Dad, you, you really were one of those guys that just – I said, no, I wasn't the guy that was going to throw it down his throat. He's going to find his own niche. I'm going to support whatever he enjoys doing. And that was singing, acting, plays, everything else. And right into college where he's going to a school uh, for that and for his, his, what his dream is all about. And I think sometimes it sounds simple, but I don't think we do it all the time. I think we, we try to guide them toward what we like. You know what I mean? And uh, I, I, I think that can really be a detriment and can wear on kids along the way yeah very well said i love the message and this has been an honor for me i gotta say ken danico you're a first class father all the way and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on first class fatherhood my pleasure i don't think i, I hope i didn't keep you too long sometimes it's hard to to get things shortened when i'm explaining something i'm a guy that's gregarious <laughs> Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Mr. Devil, Ken Danico, for giving me a few minutes of his time here. It was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Keep it locked in. Only two more episodes to go before I shut it down for the summertime. Tomorrow on the podcast, former first-round NFL draft pick and Super Bowl champion Benjamin Watson joins me here. And then Friday, to close it out, we are going to have legendary weatherman Al Roker. He has got a new book coming out this summer, so we're going to get into that and so much more. Follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace. That's all I got for you guys today. I am Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood, and thank you for that as always. Please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. 
We are fathers, and we're not just fathers. We are first-class fathers. Sometimes.